0: You're listening to Tech Talk Central. This is Vicky Collevo for Tech Talk Central. I'm at Mobile World Congress at the pavilion, the, the Sophos uh, pavilion. I'm going to say it Greek. I can't uh, do otherwise. I, I heard that the Americans said Sophos company and they're into security. I've got with me John Shear, he's Senior Security Advisor at this company at Sophos. So welcome. Thank you for the interview.
1: Thank you for having me, Vicky.
0: Okay, so what does Sophos do?
1: Well, we're a world leader in providing security technologies for small to medium businesses uh, in a way that is easy to manage, easy to understand, and just provides far superior security, enterprise-grade security to everyone.
0: So what kind of system, what kind of devices? I I read you do that same for mobile, for Android, but does that include my computer, the whole system, what? Sure. We
1: protect everything from the network down to the device. And we think it's really important that you cover all aspects of a user's digital life. So when they're on their laptop, for example, we provide technologies to prevent uh, exploits, to prevent ransomware, for, for example. Also, we, pr- we provide technologies to encrypt their data. And while they're on their laptop, they're also on the network. So we provide some security services around all the network pieces that are involved with uh, providing those services to the users, including, like you said, the mobile devices as well
0: okay so hey are you listening i want your attention here so this is about security so john i'm going to ask you a question i want you to tell me a really scary story something that's really happened to a company or to a user of a mobile that really affected their life and they should have taken provision they should have taken measures before they ended up there do you have a story for me
1: well, you, you, we often hear of some horror stories in the traditional uh, computing space, right, with, with laptops and with servers. And uh, But I think what we're increasingly seeing now is the, tech, the technologies and the techniques that the criminals have been using to infect the traditional platforms have started to migrate over to uh, the mobile devices. So we've actually seen everything that you've seen on a laptop, we've seen examples of on a mobile phone. So we've seen worms, we've seen botnet code we've seen ransomware we've seen it all on a mobile phone which is to say that if you think that that phone in your pocket is just that just a phone you're wrong it's it's a computer that also manages to make phone calls every once in a while
0: so ransomware what's the difference isn't that the result that somebody pays up so you can get back your data or is it a different kind of uh, a form of attack literally technically is it different to somebody putting in there a Trojan a worm or anything else
1: technically I I wouldn't consider it any different really it's it's a piece of code that you didn't intend to be on your computer so you didn't give it permission to be there you didn't In most cases, didn't install it. Uh, It just ended up there. And then it went and did something else. So in the case of a bot, it might spam people or it might do some distributed denial of service, so DDoS, right? Uh, In the case of uh, other viruses like a banking trojan, for example, they're going to steal your banking credentials and then attempt to get some money directly out of your bank account. Where ransomware is a little bit different, they hold your files to hostage by encrypting them and holding on to the decryption key and then asking you for a payment if you want that decryption key back. So effectively the files that are on your system are no longer accessible to you. They could be anything, they could be videos, they could be pictures, they could be uh, corporate uh, documents, corporate spreadsheets, those kind of user generated content, the stuff that you really care about. And so by locking you out of that that data and to be to be, you know, uh, to be clear, the data is still there. It's on your PC. They haven't taken it away from you. Yeah. They've just simply locked you out of the data and then they demand a payment for access back to that data.
0: Okay. Um, let's go a bit to mobile. Obviously, it's taking more of our lives. We're using it every single moment. When it comes to computers, we know all these different kinds, I'm not going to mention names of software that once we get a computer, we have to install some form of security. But I never really thought about it when it comes to mobile. My phone, it's an Apple device. Um, I didn't mention it because it's quite closed. I couldn't even know how to install something when it comes to security. But Android is a more open platform. What kind, does somebody, once they buy an Android phone, do they have to get a software to protect themselves?
1: To be fair to Android, because I think they do get somewhat maligned in in the media and and by other vendors, Uh, if you're using an Android in the way that was intended, meaning you have the most up-to-date software, um, that you're getting the the security updates from both the carrier and the provider of the software, which is Google in this case, uh, you're getting your applications from the approved store, the the official Google Play Store, and you're not engaging in risky behavior, then you're not at any greater risk than let's say somebody who's on an iOS device because you're kind of mirroring that ecosystem. Apple is very closed, and that that fact alone helps them be a little bit more um, a little little bit less um, helps them be a little bit less susceptible to maybe getting Mm -hmm. some bad software on there. Uh, Because they control the hardware, they control the software, and then the ecosystem for apps is very tight as well. So when you compare those two, I'd like to say Apple to Apple, maybe it's more like an Apple to Orange, um, you are then on equal footing the problem that exists in the android ecosystem is that it is very broad and wide open and and it's intended to be so so that as many people can participate and innovate within that ecosystem and what happens is there's a there's a technical lag in the platforms that are out there so we still see quite a bit of very old insecure vulnerable devices uh, that are in the android landscape and unfortunately you know some of the carriers even though they have access to the very latest code they don't actually push that down to the devices and then if you look at some of the user behavior google also allows you to turn off some of the security features again in in the hopes of of remaining open, Mm -hmm. they do allow the control to the user to decide for themselves if they want to turn off things like uh, where you get your applications from and whether they get verified or not. And as people turn those things off, they become less secure and more susceptible to being compromised.
0: But is, is there any device that can't be compromised by somebody who's targeting you?
1: I wouldn't say that there's any device that cannot be compromised. Uh, you know, we've seen examples before on Apple devices that have been compromised, and we've also seen it on Android devices, and we've seen it on some of the other devices as well. So, I mean, th- those are the two big ones, right? The ones that most people carry in their pocket, and uh, it-, it would be uh, negligent to say that you know one device is immune to compromise and the other one the other one isn't, because we've seen examples of both.
0: I'd agree. So now we're here at this exhibition and we've seen a lot of IOT systems and everybody, I think every citizen by now has come across some form of um, um, device with a sensor, even if it's um, something simple like a Fitbit on his hand. Yeah. So... um, how do you secure yourself? What measures? Let's let's take it lightly. I don't want to spook people out because there's a matter of these devices catching on. Because when it comes, for example, to digital health, they can be they they can help seniors live independently. They can help all of us prevent you know illness. Um, there's a lot of good things that can come out of this. Okay, and the data. I'm not going to mention how important that all is, even for finding new medicine and all that kind of stuff. But what kind of measures? Just keep it simple, not going really deep.
1: Yeah, so I like for people to uh, to practice, and you sort of brought in a health angle, so I like for people to practice good security hygiene, no matter what device they're on. And for a mobile device, that includes things like, very simply, putting on a passcode, right? If, if you are even putting in a four-digit pin, for example. Now, a lot of these phones nowadays have the capability. They've got biometric sensors in them as well. So it makes it easier for you to unlock your phone on an ongoing basis, right? You don't have to keep putting that passcode. But if you do have a biometric sensor in there, I consider maybe upping that passcode to eight digits or or maybe, maybe even a more complex alphanumeric type of passcode. So that's a really good uh, measure to protect yourself against. just the casual person that might pick up your phone and start snooping through it. Beyond that, you know, you want to consider what your technical ability is for keeping up with the updates on your phone. So if you're the type of person that just wants it to all be done for you, maybe an iOS device is right for you, or maybe a line of uh, part of the, the Google Nexus line, which is the stock Android, always up to date, which is what I carry in my pocket. Maybe that's the device for you. And then beyond that, it's a matter of always making sure that you're getting the apps for your phone from the officially you know, licensed app stores, if you will. And also try not to engage in any of the risky behavior that you might not uh, that you would typically avoid on a, on the a laptop. You're not going to go and grab software from anywhere and start clicking on all these links on your laptop because you already know that that can lead you into trouble. The same can be said for a mobile device. If an email comes in that's got an attachment or a link from someone you don't know, you might not want to click on it. You might want to just let that go by and, and just delete it. And, and that way, you're not going to be
0: opening yourself up to a potential compromise. Okay, so going a little bit deeper as a professional, um, when it comes to device makers, when it comes to networks and carriers, I recently heard of a case that went to court of a TV that actually was monitoring. It had opted in and uh, sharing the data of its viewers, the people living in the house. So the TV knew every time who was sitting in front of the TV and was transmitting this data. So it was, you wouldn't have imagined it would do that. So I don't really know how to protect, uh, how w- what I would respond to, who, where they should seek protection, or who's responsible, who do you think is responsible or, and what kind of measures? Should be, there be certification? what kind of regulations? This is... Who's, who's responsible? Is it the state? Who?
1: Well, that, that can... That's a broad question. So, in the particular case that you're talking about, I think in that case, the vendor themselves, I think, was somewhat negligent in not giving adequate notification to the user about what they were doing, how they were... what information they were capturing, how they were capturing it, and what they were doing with it later on. I think that when, when we started reading the reports of of the case, it turned out that the company kind of went halfway, but then they didn't go all the way into to really notifying the users of what they were doing. And so I think there's a very big onus on the vendors themselves. If you want to capture this information for marketing purposes or for just demographic purposes, uh, while I'm not necessarily comfortable with that, do so in a manner that's in, that's abundantly clear to the consumer so that we can make choices about whether we want to turn that on or off. As a matter of fact, the vendors need to make this an opt in rather than an opt out. So by default, do not turn something like that on unless the consumer wants to turn on themselves and knows full well. What that's going to do if they do, so that part of it, I think that covers sort of two sides of it. It covers the vendor's responsibility, and then it also brings in the responsibility of the consumer to make an informed choice for themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a shared responsibility in the end, in my opinion. Um, I read somewhere that company the company Sophos is doing something with Spaces for Android. Can you explain what that is all about, or did I get it wrong? No. I didn't. no. I didn't <laughs> So first, what kind of software are they do they have for Android?
1: Yeah. So right now we have a full EMM solution which covers uh, not only Androids but also iOS devices. But on the Android side specifically, we also provide a, a security product that users can put on their phone, and it's actually a free download from the Google Play Store. So uh, you don't have to be a corporate customer of Sophos to actually benefit from this security. You can go in and download, and what it provides you is a an antivirus scanner because it's the even if you engage in Uh, good security hygiene on your mobile device, people slip up and you may encounter a piece of malware that is uh, that can infect an Android phone. So why not have something that have, that can have your back and protect you against the, uh, the threats that are out there? But it also does a few other things too. It looks at, uh, you know, protects against SMS spam, for example. It also gives you an idea of the kinds of applications that are on your phone and whether they might impact your privacy or cost you money uh, by analyzing, you know, what kinds of, permissions does asked for, what kinds of things can it do. Uh, we have a secure QR code scanner as well, so when you're scanning QR codes, we'll actually look at that code, see where it's going, and then uh, provide you some feedback about whether that is a clean site or a potentially malicious site. And we also have a secure browser as well that does the same thing. It, it ensures that the links you're going to in your phone um, are free from malware.
0: So it's a free software, but where's the catch?
1: There is absolutely no catch. Uh, the, it is a free software for anybody who wants to download it and for our corporate users that want to manage the software, then there's also that capability as well.
0: Okay, so the, I should look it up. So my last question, and I, I'm sorry, I've got to do this. Um, do you live here? Where do you live?
1: I am from Canada.
0: Okay, so would you go to the States with your phone (laughs) loaded with all this stuff, and then um, somebody asking for your code to unlock it?
1: I I do travel to the States regularly, and uh, fortunately that situation hasn't occurred for me, and uh, to be honest, I'm not sure what I would do in that situation. I've got, uh, you know, I've I've, I feel. A
0: suggestion for somebody. Um, you know the case of the NASA, the uh, JPL um, employee who yeah. was not allowed to share data from his mobile phone. So let's talk about somebody who works for an, a big company and they're not allowed to share this data, and they, uh, you know, they inform the customs, but they insist. So we've read a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff going around fake identities on social media and all that thing. What's your suggestion, suggestion as a specialist?
1: Well, unfortunately, that, that's not really a question I can answer for everybody because the, the answer is going to differ depending on who you are, depending on your situation, uh, specifically when it comes to a corporate device. Uh, you know, your corporation owns the device, owns the data, and it's ultimately up to their policies whether you need or whether you can comply or not with those kinds of requests, and as a private citizen, again, I, I'm not going to make that decision for anybody else. I think that you need to figure out for yourself whether um, you know your security and your privacy is is worth protecting at the expense of potentially getting into the country. Um, so that that's really, you know, it's up to the user.
0: Someone else said maybe, you know, they'd turn back. It depends on why they're going there. So if they're going for work, they'd probably go through, but if it was personal, they'd come back. So was there a question I should have asked and didn't? (laughs) Um. I'm I'm looking happy, you know. I got it all. I know it wasn't too technical, but um, let's say some wise uh, thought. About you know pushing people to care more about the security because there can't be privacy without security.
1: Right? Uh, yeah, I, I think the question that maybe you should have asked was, uh, how do we treat these devices now in the increas- increasingly connected world? And. I think we've learned lessons from the past about how we treat traditional computing devices. And I would say you treat these new devices with as much care and attention as we've put into the traditional devices as well. So uh, going, going into the digital world with eyes wide open, do your homework, do your research, understand the privacy and security implications of how and where you use these devices and make good decisions that are, that are relevant for you and your situation.
0: Thank you, John. Although I did think you were going to say go offline. That's what I always hear from security people. Don't stay in long, online, but it can't be done. So thank you very much for this interview. Thank you. So that was John Shear. He is Senior Security Advisor at Sophos. I think it's Sophos.com? Sophos.com. Sophos.com. Look him up, guys. This is Vicky Kulavu for Tech Talk Central. Bye for now.